Have you ever felt overwhelmed when discovering a repertoire that you didn't even know existed and that is immense and beautiful? Have you lived an aesthetic experience so strong that it changed the course of your musical life forever? This is what happened to our guest, the tenor Isai Yes Muñoz, in 2010 when he participated in the Barcelona Festival of Song. Isai will share his story with us and present some of the songs of his new album, Visca L'Amour. You are listening to the Latin American and Iberian Art Song Podcast, a program to discover composers, poets, songs, and everything about the world of Latin American and Spanish song. My name is Patricia Caicedo. I'm a soprano and musicologist and the author of the Latin American art song Sounds of the Imagined Nations. I have published nine books with scores of Latin American and Iberian art songs. I have performed this repertoire around the world and have recorded 11 CDs. I am the founder of the Barcelona Festival of Song, a summer program for classical singers, pianists and musicologists devoted to studying the Latin American and Iberian art song repertoire in Spanish, Catalan and Portuguese. The festival arrives to its 17th year in 2021. and welcome to the Latin American and Iberian Art Zone podcast. Today, I'm excited for having Isai Yes Muñoz to talk about a tenor and a professor of the University of Delaware, uh, to talk about his new album, Visca L'Amor, Catalan Art Songs of the 20th and the 21st Century. Welcome, Isai. Patricia, it's such a pleasure to be here with you uh, today. I'm really honored that you uh, invited me. So I'm very happy. I forgot to mention that you are a Barcelona Festival of Song ambassador. I am, and it's an honor to just disseminate the name of Barcelona Festival of Song. I was there in 2010 with you, and uh, it just it changed my life. It really was uh, what began the process of uh, collecting repertoire for this particular project so so yes yeah, this is something i want to ask you when you came in 2010 to participate in the barcelona festival of song who was isaias muñoz of of that time who was that person of that time and th that is i did he know catalan art song did he have he sung catalan art song what what happened with that previous isai who in which point of his career was he? How was it? Well, I was uh, actually pursuing my doctorate at Stony Brook University at the time. Mm -hmm. I had moved to New York in 2001 uh, to do graduate studies at the Manhattan School of Music. And then after that, I was uh, performing. I decided to keep New York as my home base uh, and performed regionally and uh also abroad with opera companies and Spieltenor roles. Uh, but then I, I decided to, to go back and pursue the doctorate. And one of the things that I was really interested 
in looking into was the music of my heritage. Uh, actually, from, I, where are you from? So I am uh, half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, but oh. my parents, um, they, uh, as they've started looking through their family tree, both of them have a lot of lineage from Spain. And so uh, actually it's really funny that we're talking about this uh, because uh, one of my family members, they recently, a uh, close cousin, they recently did one of those uh, lineage DNA tests and it came back that uh, they were like 70% something uh, from Spain. And so I said, oh, well, I just can't wait to do this because, I, you know, having launched this new album. Uh, so in any case, you know, one of the things that's uh, interesting when when uh, a lot of this has changed in the last 10 years, I would say. But um, one of the sad things is that often when students go to study their undergraduate or even graduate degrees, most of the focus is on Central European song literature. So it Italian. Very much. I mean, it continues to be almost like that. I mean, it's exotic when you learn other repertoire. I mean, exactly. Yes. And, you know, we understand it because, uh, you know, there are only so many semesters that a student has at an institution. Uh, they have a certain amount of credits that they have to fulfill. But most of the attention is on German, French. And so even uh, I, who who uh, was of Hispanic origin, I had never had the opportunity to study the music of my own culture throughout my undergrad or graduate years. I had only done like three songs by Rodrigo. And oh. so I had decided if I'm going to go back and, and pursue my doctorate, I would like my dissertation studies to focus on Iberian and Latin American art song. So I was awarded a grant to... Uh, attend the Barcelona Festival of Song and uh, to do some research at the Biblioteca de Catalunya, which you took us to and you showed us the uh, Defaya archives, the Conchita Badia uh, archives there. I mean, that was just a phenomenal experience. And um, really what I was expecting uh, when going to Barcelona or when planning my trip to Barcelona was to focus primarily on, on Spanish art song. You had I mentioned mean, that we would... In Spanish. Yes, you know, the Defaya... In your, in your mind was not the Catalan, the song in Catalan or the Catalan language, I imagine. Not at all, not at all. You had mentioned that you would cover some Latin American repertoire, right? Uh, also the music of Brazil. So I knew that I might touch on some Portuguese uh, and getting to know the differences between European Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese. Uh, but... Um, but I had heard the music of, of Catalonia through uh, the interpretations of Victoria de los Ángeles, uh, Montserrat Caballé, Carreras, uh, but uh, it really wasn't until I went to Barcelona Festival of Song where you really emphasized, I remember that you... Um, brought in a linguist of the Catalan language. Uh, Mac McClure also came uh, to the festival that year and, and spoke to us, did a master class. And that was unbelievably inspiring. And you assigned me um, a, a piece by Toldra, Aquarel de Montseny. I remember, I can see you, I hear you singing it. So it was 
just such a gorgeous piece and I and I just loved singing it and um I just realized in that moment I I need to explore this this repertoire more. There's something very interesting here. I found the language to be quite singable. Um, but of course, as you and I know, one of the challenges has been uh, that for many years there hasn't been a clear breakdown uh, of how this language can be applied in sung application for singers, right? Uh, an IPA breakdown. You're among those who have begun to break the barriers of, of that um, through your publications by providing IPA of of some Catalan songs, and also I think of uh, publishing houses like Boileau, uh, where some of their uh, editions are now providing that. Um, I'm hoping to be able to to actually uh, uh, publish an article uh, in the coming year or so, specifically on uh, aspects of the sung application of the Catalan language, which I think is very interesting because a, a lot of a, a lot of people would quickly assume that the language is uh, is most similar to Spanish but yes, there are... and this is I think this is a, is a huge surprise because for you I imagine it was a surprise as I have seen in many people who come to take the course they say oh this is a complete different language yes it's like learning French or learning Portuguese is is another language uh, so is the approach it needs to be much more comprehensive and go in depth because it's a complete new language and culture. Yes, it's not just, it's just, it's not simply a regional dialect of, no. of Spanish, of Castellano. It's, it's an, it's an entirely different language. And I found that in many ways it's, uh, it's more similar to French, uh, in its treatment, um, yeah, it is kind of in the middle between it's in the middle. French and, and Spanish, no? Like, Spanish. like the geographical situation of Catalonia that is kind of sandwiched between France and Spain. We are just in the border, in the middle of these two countries. Yes, it, it, doesn't, ha it doesn't have the nasals that the French language has, uh, but one of the things that... that uh, I find to be interesting in, in the writing of the language. Uh, obviously, they, they use the accent grave, they use the accent aigu, they mm -hmm. use the diaresis. Mm -hmm. um, and we have that application uh, in Castellano as well, but not with the amount of frequency that we exactly. see in the Catalan language. And then the other thing that I, th I think is really interesting to know about the language is uh, how uh, the unaccented syllables are treated, right? Um, and how uh, they can change the vowel coloring when, uh, when uh, the, the vowels are, are stressed uh, or unstressed. Also, I think for somebody who never have been in touch with the Catalan language, and probably they related with Spanish, Spanish is much more simple in terms of vocalic sounds, it's more just pure, straight, and only five vocalic sounds, so Catalan has many more sounds, and and the repertoire of sounds is, is richer, is more, is bigger. Yeah, so I mean... that's when you, when... exciting. It is exciting, and it makes for more colors, for a greater variety of colors. I think once you're really able to understand the distinctions uh, within and the nuances of, of the language, um, 
then you're really able to to paint right with that palette of many 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 colors um, I think uh, one other thing uh, that it's important for our listeners to know is that uh, there I think there have now been uh, 17 or 18 dialects that have been identified within the Catalan language itself I mean there's two primary um, dialect groups the the occidental mm-hmm. and the oriental and for this recording uh, we wanted to focus a little bit more on the oriental uh, we have this dialect. standard Catalan that is the one that is used on news and media and exactly. TV. So this we call the standard. So is 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 the one we use in Barcelona. It doesn't mean that the other pronunciations are wrong. They are from other regions. Although Catalonia, for the audience people who are listening to this, Catalonia is small. We are only nine between nine and eleven million of Catalan speakers in the world. Uh, there are regions that have different accents, and there is one standard accent that is the one that is recommended for TV and media, etc. But it doesn't. But the other ones are also correct because the language is alive and is continuously changing and enriching. And also because, uh, again, when you're looking at the writing of the language. Uh, the, the writing itself doesn't change, yes. right? And, uh, and yes, and, and the differences are minor enough that you're able to understand them across uh, any dialects or, or regional accents that you may find. Um, so similar to Hochdeutsch in a way, uh, where you would use it in germ- journalism, as you said. Um, and, and I think this is kind of becoming, uh, at, at the very least, the informal rule through which we singers uh, work to apply uh, the language to art song literature. But one thing I want to go to that young, you are still young, of course, but younger, uh, (laughs) Isai, who came in 2010. So you discover these songs, you sing this Aquarela del Monsenge, we go to the Biblioteca de Catalunya, you see all these things that is a little bit... I understand because I also experienced that many years ago. Overwhelming when you see oh, all this music that I didn't know and it's so beautiful and so rich. So what is the feeling that, what, what happens inside you at that moment when you just discover that? So what process starts in that at that moment? Well, I was just excited uh, because it it immediately just exploded the the realm of research and moved my research in in a different direction uh, and in the end for uh, portions of my doctoral dissertation covering Iberian and Latin American art song I decided that it was extremely important to focus uh, some of that attention uh, towards uh, Catalan uh, art song and I was particularly moved by by the history of of the 20th and, and 21st century and um and really just uh the challenges that uh composers of of that era faced right and yes. the challenges that that catalonian artists continue to face uh it's very much a nationalistic practice uh, uh we know uh, that uh, the music was marginalized for many decades because uh 
composers uh, really found themselves, and, and all artists, uh, Catalonian artists for that matter, found themselves uh, really living out the repression uh, resulted uh, from the Spanish the Civil War and and then, of course, the Franco dictatorship that followed, where the, the, the language of Catalan itself was censored. And so for me, it was really important to tell that story because uh, one of the things that, of course, was shocking to me was that so many um, pieces uh, remained uh, unpublished behind archives that were enshrouded for many years, while other pieces uh, were now out of print. Uh, and so really, this is, this is to say that it's commendable, I think, what local publishing houses have been doing in the last 20 to 30 years to... Uh, Re reproduce this music, to publish it, uh, to give living Catalonian uh, composers and librettists and, and poets a voice. Uh, uh, this situation that you are mentioning of the music not being published, being in archives or hidden, is the situation of the Latin American art song music, the art songs also. So this is something common for different reasons, but it's something that we experience with the Latin American art song repertoire and the reason because most of the composers are and works are not known. Sadly, this is a drama today. So, and with the, Catal and the Catalan repertoire happens something different that is beautiful that you say what you just said because one of the goals at the Barcelona of the Barcelona Festival of Song or something that I really look for when when preparing the the festival and the sessions we have is that creating this awareness in in you the people who come that to say oh this repression happened this political situation kept this music and culture hidden. And so this is a part of the world's heritage that has been in covered or hidden. So we need to, and it's so beautiful. So let's sing it. So absolutely. I mean, I think that you know now that you mentioned that this is a problem that that uh, that occurred not only in Spain, but that we see it repeated in Latin America and Central and South America. I. I recall that one of the first composers that I was interested in was Carlos Guastavino. Mm -hmm. And now everyone is singing Guastavino. Yeah, but yeah, Guastavino is, I mean, I also, he was one of my first, why? Because he is one of the few ones who had the fortune to be published by a publisher that at the time had a good distribution and have the publications make the whole difference. Because but once you know you're was... published, you are, have the opportunity to be promoted and sung by people. If you are never published, so you will be forever lost or forgotten. So Guastavino is, is, is the tip of the iceberg, and he's the well-known of all of them. So, you know, what I was going to say was that what's interesting is you're absolutely right. That's how I... Uh, became aware of his music, and yet, 20 years ago, it was still very difficult 
to attain his music here in the United States. I know it's still very difficult to find today because the and he's published. He's published. Imagine because why he was most of his songs were published by a, a publisher called Ricordia Americana another that is called Editorial Lagos. And they have, and still have, even we are in the internet times, they don't, I don't know what happened, but they probably, they are not interested in distributing it or republish this because it's not economically uh, rentable. Advantageous, yeah. Advantageous, exactly. So there is not this, and them, the awareness of the responsibility they have to maintain this heritage and promote it. So it's just a business decision. So uh, this is, is not, it will not give us a lot of money. So why to bother to republish or, or, or promoting this thing? And so it continue happening with Carlos Guastavino. So Carlos Guastavino being the most the well-known of all of them, imagine. So imagine with the hundreds of other composers and the many who never were published and are equally good. So I think, you know, that, that just, um, that just merits further applause, uh, for you and the work that you continue to do, uh, because without you, who, who would be tapping today into the music of Jaime Leon, right? Jaime Leon would be forgotten probably. And so many other composers, uh, you know, through through your publications and our other colleagues who are also doing tremendous work in this regard. And so we hope that our new album of Catalan art songs uh, can can be part of that movement to help yes. share this uh, this this repertoire. And I I do want to share with our listeners. Uh, Patricia's just a she's. She's just a treasure trove of resources in and of herself, because when I first wanted to do this album, um, one of the things that I had... When was that idea? Sorry to interrupt you, but I want the listeners yes. to know. when. How was this serendipity moment, this moment when you say, I want to record an album of Catalan art songs? Which well, year? How was after it? After the Toldra song that you, that, that you recommended, oh, that, that I worked on, I had heard... Uh, I had heard one of our peers, Rebecca Coberly, if you're listening down oh, in Texas. Oh, yes, she sung so beautiful. Such a beautiful picture. voice, wonderful colleague in the field. And she had sung, uh, I think, two two pieces of the Monpo Combat del Somni. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that is just some beautiful repertoire, and I want to sing it. So I actually programmed that for one of my recitals shortly after I came back from the States. And uh, that's really what be, what began further research for me uh, with the repertoire. And so around 2011, I thought, I think that eventually I would love to do a recording of these pieces and also to clarify some misconceptions uh, regarding uh, by whom this repertoire should be performed. Because I think, as you and I know, uh, often... Uh, I'm not going to pin it solely on North Americans, but I will say that it happens frequently in North America. Uh, but Graham Johnson spoke about it, so I guess it happens in the UK as well, uh, where people often think that uh, Spanish, Iberian, Latin American art songs should really be relegated uh, to treble voices. Uh, 
primarily or to sopranos, to sopranos oh. or to female voices. Mm -hmm. And we know that, um, that yes, uh, many, many, many Catalonian composers in uh, the first half of the 20th century, uh, dedicated uh, or wrote pieces specifically for a, a specific soprano, Conchita Badilla. Um, but but this, this music can be performed by all the voice classifications. And so one of the... So one of the things I was excited uh, to to look into more was, well, what of the Catalan art song uh, canon uh, can best serve the tenor voice? So if you recall, I approached you, uh, I don't know how many years ago now it was, and I said, you know, can you, can you list me, uh, can you send me... Uh, a list of some cycles that you think would serve my voice well, or would be great for tenor voice. You know my voice, and so you shared some some cycles and some songs with me at that time. And one of the cycles that you shared with me was Eduardo Soldras' uh, La Rosa al Siavis. Que es maravilloso. It's a beautiful song cycle. You've recorded it and. Once I heard it, I just thought, well, I have to get my hands on this music. And you were the first one to to send me a copy of the of the set. And then I just went into the practice room and I tried uh, the repertoire. I sung through some of it, and I immediately knew that that was actually the moment. And that was, I think, in two thousand sixteen or two thousand seventeen. I remember I was in a practice room at the Bard Music Festival I was singing there that summer and I just realized in that moment I have to I have to record these songs and so then I just decided okay if I have uh the Toldra set uh if I decide to bring the Monpo set back then what would be other uh song cycles short song cycles or songs that I could uh rap uh, these pieces around. And so uh, in the end, we produced this album, which highlights six short song cycles. None of the song cycles on the recording are longer than 13 minutes. The longest one, I believe, is the is the Toldra, which we begin with. And, um, and so it's just our joy to be able to, to share six. So the six song cycles, you are mentioning that you recorded six song cycles. How did you um, show these cycles? You said, I send you one, and then we met once. I went to Delaware all the way there. You did. That, you did a fabulous uh, just session with our students here at the university, and you brought a lot of repertoire. It was just a fabulous concert. We got to talk a little bit more. Uh, with Oksana. You yes, you did it with my wife, who's uh, and and pianist, uh, collaborative pianist, uh, Dr. Oksana Glauchko. And the who, pianist um, of the CD. She is indeed. She is indeed. And that was actually uh, part of the inspiration behind also the choosing of the repertoire, uh, because I really wanted a, a project that uh, could really showcase uh, collaboration between voice and piano and to be able to select, um, repertoire that, that really showcased the keyboard 
uh, as much as it showcases the voice. And, you know, if you think, for those of you who aren't familiar with, uh, with Catalan art song, in this sense, Catalan art song uh, is similar to um, the rest of the canon of Spanish song literature in that so, so much of the, of, of the accompaniment patterns and the pianistic patterns uh, can often be quite virtuosic. Um, there is a dance uh, and a communication uh, between neoclassicism and impressionism that we find in France because so many of these composers uh, of this period uh, went on to study in France. Uh, so you can hear uh, Ravel coming through and Debussy coming through, but you can also hear that in incredible distinction that makes the repertoire Catalonian. So um, yes, the repertoire... Because I mean, the, the, the aesthetic models of the time were dictated by France, not only in Spain, but in all over the, in the world, I mean, the world, Europe, the Western world, uh, and our composers were all being trained there. But also, as you you mentioned and you were saying, Catalonia is right right near to France. So it's, it's kind of natural that Catalan music has certain quality that I can identify if I hear 100 things and there are two Catalan pieces, I can identify that because it's something, there is something unique to the Catalan music that kind of reflects the geography, the culture, and this kind of mix or being in between France and Spain. And that also showed in, in the music. Yes, I mean, it's, it is, it is uh, distinctly different from, let's say, like the, the music of Andalusia right yes, um, that's a little more hard on the sleeves uh, there's something more subdued there's something more introspective and reflective of of the repertoire uh, but you you can really sense the passion not not as outwardly but internally um, so in a very a profound bit way of nostalgic if I could say I mean we many times when I'm hearing Catalan art songs or looking for repertoire I have to really make an effort to find happy songs <laughs> because I mean, if there is a nostalgia or a sadness that is this. Actually, when we, our national day in Catalonia, we are celebrating a lost world, a world that we lost, the time when we lost our nation for lifetime. So all these things that we are journeying for something we lost and something we don't have or yeah, this is also reflected in the in the music. So it's, there is certain sadness or nostalgia or so, in it. Absolutely. I mean, I I, th I think that's why people I think are surprised when they hear the album uh, because the title, of course, of the album is Visca l'amor, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes folks might think, oh, well, this is an album all about love songs. When we picked the 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 repertoire and we picked the title by which we wanted uh, to name the album, it was really thinking about love in the broadest of senses. There is filial love, there's agape love, mm -hmm. uh, there's love of brotherhood, love of nation, mm -hmm. um, really um, 
really in, in the broadest sense. And that was really important to us because there was a cry in the heart of these composers during that time who were really using their art uh, to, to reflect on their world, on their current state, to address the current state, but to also step outside of the current state, right? And, um, and yes, the, those colors, that cry in the soul, it comes out through the repertoire. So there's this longing, there's this nostalgia. Mm -hmm. uh, and Visca el Amor, um, the title. Celebration. Uh, it's, love. it's actually the happiest the song. Happiest, it's the, the, one it's the brightest love. In, in the whole recording, right? So, um, sorry to add you now. Something also interesting happened happened um, with a composer you commissioned. So uh, when we met there in Delaware, we were talking about you were exploring possible repertoire for this this CD, etc. And you asked me if I know uh, a composer, somebody. So the festival re uh, recently had at that time commissioned the composition of a new song cycle to a Catalan woman composer, Elisenda Fabrega. So I said, no, she's a great composer. Why don't you get in contact with her? She will be happy to compose something. So I'm very curious about this, how this developed and the music that came from that encounter. Well, yet again, another way in which you really helped us and supported the project. For me, it was important to not only uh, celebrate uh, the music of composers who were marginalized uh, and no longer with us, but to also celebrate um, that the practice continues and that Catalonian composers continue to produce incredible and powerful material. And um, when you introduced me to Elisenda Fabregas, who's uh, the, the living Catalonian-American composer who we brought onto this project, uh, first thing I did was, was uh, peruse uh, her previous uh, written music uh, to listen to it. Uh, what I found was a, a composer who really knew how to write for the voice. She was uh, extremely musical. She understands um, voice classifications, uh, how vowels need to work uh, through passaggio, uh, through registrations. She immediately started asking me a lot about um, what I what I found to be my strengths as, as a singer, um, you know, where my voice uh, liked to sit best. Um, she asked me to send her a lot of samples of different repertoire that I love to sing. So she not only uh, tried to uh, communicate her voice, but to align it with, uh, with, uh, with what might suit my, my voice best and what might also uh, be a, a good, product through which uh, other uh, tenors particularly could communicate uh, Catalonian poetry and um, and and music of the 21st century from Catalonia. So it was kind of tailor-made. 
Yeah, so it was just a joy to to be able to work with her. I mean, she really is a singer's composer. So any singers who would be interested <laughs> in in looking at at composers who really understand what your needs are as a singer, oh my gosh, I just couldn't recommend uh, a better composer to work with. And, and what the poet did she use? She used uh, the poetry of uh, Bartomeo Roseo Porcel, who is a Balearic poet. And he was actually a, a mover and shaker of Balearic poetry uh, at, at the time. The Balearic Islands, of course, uh, the official language there, as well as, as, as uh, uh, Catalan. And he was just very interesting. Uh, the poetry uh, really touches on, on themes surrounding fire and mysticism and purity. Uh, and it's just a powerful, powerful collection of, of poems uh, entitled Imitación del Foc, Imitation of Fire. Huh. And it touches, it has, it reminds me just the title, Falla, El Fuego <laughs> Fatuo. So it's, it's a fascination of Spanish composers, I mean. You know this, Manuel de Falla wrote the yes. uh, Canción del Fuego Fatuo. Yes, it, it is. It, it is a fascination. And, and I think uh, what's, what's powerful about this piece is, as you were talking earlier about just the introspective quality of, of the repertoire, uh, this set, it's strong. It shows uh, range, right, for the tenor. It goes low, but it also goes uh, high. Uh, it's very broad and voluptuous and virtuosic for the pianist. Uh, Elisenda is is a concert pianist herself. So one of the first things she asked me, she said, you know, who will be playing this? Who, who's going to be playing? And do you give me the permission to write in a virtuosic manner? And once she heard Oksana uh, play, she said, oh, okay, wow. this is this is fabulous. Um, because Oksana is a very, very strong pianist and she cares a lot about color. Uh, not just about getting all the notes right, but uh, of really bringing color out of the piano. And so Elisenda uh, really wrote a score that allows for that to be possible. So it really is a, a song cycle for, uh, for a strong singer, but a very, very strong pianist. So why don't we um, listen to some of this music? Because I am sure people must be now curious to hear the, uh, some of this music. Let's hear you and Oksana Glauschko playing this music that is on the CD Biscalamor Catalan Art Songs of the 20th and 21st Century.
listen to a fragment of Imitación al Foc by Elisenda Fabregas, performed by Isaías Muñoz and Osana Glauchko. On their new album, Vizcal Amor, that is, was published by which label? It's on Bridge uh, label and distributed worldwide uh, through Naxos. And I just really want to thank uh, all of the folks at Bridge who really believed in this project and who have made this um, labor of love uh, possible to be shared with with the world. Uh, Becky Starobin, David Starobin, uh, uh, David uh, Starobin is uh, the head of guitar at Manhattan School of Music and also at the Curtis Institute of Music. Uh, and so it's been our joy to be able to work with them and, and their entire team. And of course, uh, engineer we were very fortunate to bring on Andreas Meyer um, from Swan Studios in New York City who's uh, a wonderful uh, multi-grammy winning uh, engineer and really um, the rest of our team I really wanted to assemble a group of 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 Hispanic artists to help us uh, with this project. That was something that was really important uh, to me. And so Ana Alasi Jove, um, the the wonderful Catalonian mezzo-soprano who now resides in Austria, uh, was our, our language coach for this. And Patricia, you also helped with some of the language in the early stages. 
um, and uh, our wonderful designer Anilda Carrasquillo uh, from Cover to Cover Design in Florida did a beautiful job. I really wanted to, I, I wanted the aesthetic of the album to evoke uh, the beauty of the music and to also uh, color that influence that France has on on uh, on Catalonian art song and on Catalonian music and so we found this wonderful estate actually here in in Delaware uh, which was owned by the DuPonts and that was inspired by the the palace of Louis the 14th and so we were in their gardens uh, doing the photo shoot for all of that uh, the Nemours estate uh, here in Delaware. So it's been a huge labor of love. You can find out more uh, on the project by visiting www.jessmunoz.com. I'll spell that out quickly. That's www.jessmunoz.com. Great. That's the way. We want everybody to go right now to listen to this CD. Thank you so much, Patricia. And, and I just also want to thank um, the, the the press that has already um, really stood behind uh, our our championship of 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 this uh, repertoire, uh, this once marginalized repertoire that really deserves to to be heard. Uh, we've received some some really um, uh, just humbling. Uh, just wonderful reviews uh, thus far, and and we're honored that that people have taken the time to listen uh, to the recording and to say uh, such lovely things uh, about the music, uh, and so that has brought us tremendous joy. So tremendous joy is the one that I feel when I see you and hear you and know about this project because I feel that. The whole purpose of the Barcelona Festival of Song is seeing this music promoted worldwide and sung by great singers like you are and pianists like Oksana Glauchko is. So this is, I mean, the dream come true of the festival that one of the persons who have passed through it is now advocating this repertoire and promoting it and, and giving life to this music. So this is a tremendous joy for me and the, all the people who are related to the Barcelona Festival of Song. And for us, it's a joy to, to be able to disseminate this repertoire, uh, but to also disseminate all the good work that you continue to do, Patricia, in the field. I mean, uh, it's not singular, right? The list of people who are now advocating for Iberian and Latin American uh, song, uh, because of the work that 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 you've done, oh. it's many, oh. it's many people who have walked away. I don't know how many alums you have now, but I, I imagine it's over a hundred plus. Um, and I don't know of a person who hasn't attended the festival in Barcelona, who doesn't come back to the United States saying, uh, "I am irrevocably changed. I am changed for the better." And not to be too cliche, but but because of the tremendous work that um, that I, I got to do there and the resources, the fact that um, 
the center where the festival happens is adjacent to the Biblioteca de Catalonia is an incredible thing. Um, and that we're able to really be there long enough to take in the sights and the sounds of the culture and of the people and of the heritage, you really walk away with an understanding that you're dealing with something very unique, with something distinctive and special. Uh, and you walk away with a sense of great responsibility to come back and to share this music. So my hope is that uh, people will pick up this this uh, this music. If not if not my album, listen to Victoria de los Angeles. Listen to. Um, to uh, other singers like Carmen Bustamante, yeah. who I just think is an John Cabe. I I just think that uh, there's so many wonderful native singers. People often ask me, "Well, how how can I wrap my ear around this?" You see, uh, I have I have I can now answer this uh, question to those people. I have, if they would like to follow me on Spotify, not Patricia the artist, but Patricia the user. Patricia the user has countless playlists divided by uh, genre countries of Catalan art song, Colombian art song, Peruvian art song, Argentinian art song, tango, salsa, jazz, all, all kind of different genres, but to introduce people and students, voice students or people who are just interested about expanding their, their musical horizons to learn about the, these different traditions and they will find composers and performers in those playlists if you follow me on Spotify. Yes, I, that's that's incredibly important. So follow Patricia on Spotify, <laughs> follow me on Spotify. Um, of we, course. We're all disseminating um, just this just this great uh, collection of repertoire and it's it's so exciting. Um, the, and that people are responding to it the way they are. Uh, that's very moving too. So I'm, I'm sure this, this CD will bring you many, many, many happy, uh, happiness, or oh, I don't know, joys, alegrías. Te va a traer muchas alegrías. Because it's done, as you mentioned, with a lot of dedication, love, with carefully done, and, and the music is beautiful, and the what you and Oksana did is great. So this CD only will be opening more and more doors for you and your beautiful career, yes. Well, thank you so much for your kind words and just for the kindness that you have shown uh, us and so many artists uh, through the years, uh, Patricia. We're so grateful to you and the tremendous work uh, that, that you've done and that you continue to do. So, so that's my life you. mission. So I, I do it because I cannot do other things that, than that. You know, it's a passion. And I know that since many years ago, I, I felt I was, I got this awareness that my life is so small, I mean, in terms of his, if you see in time in historic, with a historic perspective, the life of one person is just very little, very little. But if I can do something to inspire the other people who are following and as many people as I can inspire better because this repertoire is huge, it's for many lives, to, for many singers who have to, to sing this music and enjoy it and 
also for audiences to discover this music. So my contribution is very small in the historic context, but I want to to do as much as I can in this very short time that I'm in this earth. Well, I think that, you know, uh, we're running out of time, but I think that one of the, the larger, broader things is that the work that you're doing and the work that, that that we're now joining you in, it's speaking to something larger, right? It's, uh, it's not just the music of uh, Iberian Latin America that's marginalized. I think of all of the nations of the world and just like us there are many other countries that yes. uh, that have dealt with this kind of marginalization and so we inspire each other i think of my colleagues who are championing korean art song yes. and colleagues who are who are championing swahili composers wow, right great yes that that if we could inspire young singers with something isn't that just there to open your your mind and look outside of what is taught at the universities that is very very limited and also change i mean some people still think that the history of music is the european music that's music when they said they refer to the history of music and they study the history of music they just study the history of european music this assumption that puts Europe as the center and, and as the productor of only productor of good music, this is wrong, and this is a construction, a, a recent construction in history. So, if we can inspire people to just say, okay, let's study the histories of musics, and let's go on to see in the same, uh, with the same value and va valorization the music of Philippines, of Malaysia, of China, of, I don't know, which place in, in Africa, or the, the music, I mean, all this music needs to, they need to be revived and seen and heard. We Absolutely. are, we are, se dice terráqueos, no, no somos, somos de la tierra, no, no. Yes, we're we're of the earth, and and we and we want to be able to experience the earth and to taste it, to taste all the colors of the earth, and to welcome people to our tables, right? Of all different nations and creeds, uh, this is well. I can go on and on, but that's something that, of course, is is very very dear and near to my heart, and I know a dear and near. To yours and and that's why that is why the Catalonian story uh, really really moved me and touched me um, because I saw so much of myself reflected inside of that story and and I know that so many others um, uh, will as well and you know regardless of what it is that we're celebrating on this earth if you've ever felt um, the joy of making it through a struggle or the joy of taking a step forward uh, in a way that advocates uh, for for something that you know to be right, uh, then then you'll understand uh, this music, you'll understand this heritage. Uh, and so, again, thank you, Patricia, and uh, thank you to all of you who joined us today. Uh, and and we just invite you to share and celebrate this music uh, with uh, 
with your students and with your colleagues and friends. See, and to finish this, we will let people hearing this, you and Oksana singing a few songs by Eduard Toldra. Yes, we'll be uh, sharing now uh, just a few songs from Eduardo Toldra's La Rosa Alciabis, which oh. is featured on our latest album. And again, you can find out more information about the album, how to purchase it, by visiting www.jessmunoz.com. forget subscribe to this uh, podcast please we are in all digital platforms subscribe invite your friends to subscribe if you are a teacher you will see that this is a wonderful uh, uh, academic resource for your students and if you are a student you will always be learning and learning so you will come back to this subscribe support this podcast this podcast is brought to you thanks to the barcelona festival of song it's also brought to you thanks to Mundo Arts and to the Center for Iberian and Latin American Music of the University of California, Riverside. So we expect next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, you connect again to hear more wonderful music and to meet more wonderful people as Isai Yes Muñoz. Hasta luego, amigos! You just listened to the Latin American and Iberian Art Home podcast, a program to discover composers, poets, songs, and everything about the world of Latin American and Spanish song. Connect every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. 
to subscribe, go to patriciacaicedo.com slash podcast and choose your favorite podcast platform. And remember to support us. We need your donations to continue bringing the world of Latin American and Iberian arts home. Hasta el próximo miércoles. Desde Barcelona, adiós.